part of the conversations that happen around my kitchen table. He's John Brannion and he's been a stand-up comic for more than 30 years. She's Amanda McKinney and she's been my daughter for her whole life. Our family believes laughter is a gift from God. We often discover it while discussing culture, faith, and family. So go ahead and pull up a chair, neighbor. Can I call you Carl? There's plenty of room here for you. Um, after so many struggles and trials and tribulations, Carl, we were able to get our equipment working. No thanks to our producer, the Peaches. No, no. thanks to me. No thanks to my laptop. I was ultimately the one who remembered how much my laptop is a pain in a place I won't say. Well, you were also the one who didn't remember that your laptop <laughs> sucks and That's you true. tried to use it again. I did plug into the bad laptop to start with, but then I was the one who remembered that it is the bad laptop. And now, thanks to me, we're ready to go. <laughs> thanks to, thanks to me. Thanks to me for solving the problem that I, <laughs> that I created. Right. Yes. <laughs> thanks to me for fixing what I broke. Right. Uh, uh, so, Carl, uh, Hans. If you could Feeney, hire yourself, by the way, you'd be a wealthy woman. Yes. You could Hans. start your own tech company, just an endless supply of hiring yourself. Right. right. Hans Feeney has talked before I introduced him, which is a breach of, breach of protocol. No, it's not. Uh, a rebel. He's got a. He's got a sweet beard going on, and it kind of makes me wish that we were doing video recording but we're not. Uh, Hans Feeney, Lutheran satire guy who we have talked about many times on the podcast at the brilliance of Lutheran satire. I have been envious. Is that the right word? Yeah. Uh, what I like about Lutheran satire is that it's really, really good satire that isn't, um, that, that isn't, like offensive on a personal level. Now, I don't, before we get into what you want to talk about, Hans, um, how much hate do you get for Lutheran satire? Like how much? You know, I, I haven't actually gotten anything for a while. Um, I think maybe part of it is I've kind of gone through, I've kind of hit, I've kind of knocked on everyone that there sort of is to knock on. So I used to get more stuff if it was kind of the first round of taking on a particular theology or, or issue. Um, so I, I would regularly get the kind of, I always love the comment of like, I thought all your other videos were hilarious, but this one is just stupid. <laughs> but now and I'm not like, going to follow you me, All yeah. of my videos are stupid. <laughs> uh, so, but, um, but that, yeah, that hasn't really happened for, for a while. Um, and I think it, maybe that's just because you kind of go through and everyone realizes, well, it'll be your turn, you know, eventually. And right. uh, so it hasn't happened for a bit, but yeah, I've, I've got, I've received some, some angry emails and I don't really read the YouTube comments, no. um, but, um, uh, but angry no. emails in the past and, uh, but it's been, it's been a while. No. Maybe I'm getting nicer. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's probably it's not middle. it. I don't know. If I wasn't uh, nice at 37, I'm probably not nice at 42. For generally, that's correct. You don't get nicer as you get older. Right. Uh, also on the podcast, it's the uh, podcast ninja, Luke McKinney. Say something, Luke. Hey. Uh-huh. Yes. That was good. Uh, it's about par for the course right there. <laughs> that, was, that was quite a bit from Luke. He's especially verbose tonight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Calm down. So... <laughs> So Hans sends me a message on Twitter, which is, I think, the only way that he ever communicates with me. Every so I, I don't know that in, I have your cell. Maybe I do. Uh, you should have. If, if you don't have it, you'll have it by the end of the evening. Um, okay. Because Twitter is not a thing that I regularly check. And so, you know, he sends me a message on Twitter. Six months later, I get back with him. <laughs> uh and it seems that he has uh, decided that he wants to that he wants to go and start doing stand up at the local comedy 
clubs in St. Louis. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I want to give it a try. I mean, part of yeah. it is uh, I'm never going to do actual skydiving um, because I I don't um, want to. <laughs> um, but also, I don't. I know it doesn't work this way. But there's just the part of me that feels like when you go skydiving you're getting right up in God's face and just saying, I want you to really think about whether or not you want me to be alive. So, you know, so like I, you Skydiving know, is that. open defiance of. <laughs> Here's your chance. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, uh, so there's a bit of that. Um, but I just, part of it's just kind of wanting to have the experience uh, and the thrill of it. Part, uh, part of it is wanting to see how it feels to just utterly bomb, uh, which is entirely possible. But another thing is another thing that I really want to find out is uh, this is kind of part of my theory is how transferable is preaching uh, to stand up. They're obviously very, very different things, but I have 15 years of preaching under my belt. And not as different as you would think. Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm thinking is that I don't I'm not saying I can go on stage and, and be John Brannion. Uh, or 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 where you would have been, you know, ten years in, but I feel like I'm confident I'm t- I'm testing out of a semester or two of just kind of getting it, you know. Yeah, no and doubt. So that's that's part of it, and then a big part of it is, uh, you know, I I have on my on my phone on like on you the YouTube Shorts that they recommend to you or on Facebook. Um, mine are all basically comedy at this point because I've watched enough of them that. They've kind of figured out that's the only stuff I really want to watch. That's that. all you care about. And those videos of people getting really pristine haircuts, you know, <laughs> guys like, like like the fades and so I like that kind of stuff too. But I get the stand up, and I see a lot of people who are that's who a are pretty broad range right there. In those two no, it's things. really only those two things. It's, it's yeah. uh, so, um, uh, but I but I want to I I'm, I see a lot of people who are good. But there's so much despair in it, and there's so much nihilism in it, and so just as kind of an experiment, I want to see if I can trick people into realizing that there's reason to hope, uh, and and because I because this is what I've found with humor throughout the years, is that in any given room, um, you can ha- two or three people set the tone for the room. Uh, the thing I've learned being a pastor is it doesn't matter how big your congregation is, four or five people establish the entire personality of the congregation. Uh, and if they establish a good one, it's a, it's a great congregation. And if they, if they don't, then you have the other thing. And it doesn't really matter where everybody else falls. And it, I think that's just kind of the same with any room where you can have two or three people who who have a hostile reaction to something and then that kind of just sets the tone for the room. And I I think if you can present not necessarily even an explicitly Christian worldview. I'm not looking to like go up and preach to people. Right. But um but I think with humor picking apart the idiosyncrasies and the strangeness and the out of jointness of the world but pointing it in a direction towards hope rather than towards despair. I think you can actually show people that there is that there's hope and that there's something to the Christian worldview. Um, and and I think if you can do it well enough, you can actually disarm people who are rather hostile to the faith. And if you can present it in such a way that you're not attacking them, but inviting them to enjoy something, uh, to, ha- to have peace in something. Um, so it's part of it's just a big social experiment that I, I want to see if I can... If sure. I'm right about this, and then also if I can do it, sure. So that's so that's kind of the idea. Yeah, I don't have the. I, I'm not planning on becoming a stand-up comedian. Neither was uh, I. Yeah. <laughs> right, but you didn't have a job though. Yeah. Uh, so. I did. I did too. I didn't right, crawl fine. out from behind the dumpster at Kroger and go up on stage. And- I would if there was a guy who crawled out from behind a Kroger, would love to see his set. <laughs> well i would that would be i would like to hear his take on the world there were some of those guys but i was not one of them yeah. so here's here's um, what's going to happen tonight we're going to workshop some stuff talk about the principles okay. behind comedy writing and we can do that 
for probably yeah. the whole time. But we also need to make some room for Luke's question because Luke asked Dad a Telegram question, a question on Telegram earlier yesterday, and Dad just flat ignored him. So we're going to remind him that that question was asked yesterday regarding a particular okay. comedian's set. I did, I did not respond to him, but I did not ignore him. Those are two different things. Oh, okay. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead and unpack what the. Because I figured you'd ask me about it on Sunday or something, and then we would. Okay. We would talk about it. But, to be fair, I've gone um, back and listened to that, and well, I want to know. Answered my own for, uh, question a bit. But. What's that? He said he went back and listened and answered his own question a bit. Did you bring in an audio clip? No. To share with no. Carl. Ugh. Okay. Well, go on. Well, he's far from the microphone. Um, he always is. So I wanted to get Luke's uh, commentary after listening to Hans explain the philosophy about why he's going to go into, because Luke has been trying to do a positive comedy. Luke has yeah. been, and you use the word hope. Yeah. And I, it seems to me like there's a parallel there. So what would you say, Luke, to, uh, I, to Hans's idea. Well, listening to Hans, I, I had a very similar interest in doing mm. in doing a positive mm -hmm. take because again, all of the I don't like how you're referring to this in the past tense. By the way, well, it's not no, giving no. it was literally like two weeks ago. It no, was, it's very yeah. current. It I once too had ago. that idea. Yeah. <laughs> I was once young and foolish as you. I yeah. think it was less than a month ago, and I was the one who destroyed that part of him that wanted to be positive. Just really recently, she dashed, smashed the hope nice. from his soul. Because yeah. there um, are a lot of comics who in, they do sort of preach they're social commentators yeah. they put out right, their, yeah. you know on tough yeah. topics like abortion and things like that and i felt like right. i felt like you could do the christian version of that um mm -hmm. but it would be really tricky to do um and what i was told was that the best comedy is actually more negative and i'm still working through He's still processing. still processing that. See, I think I think it's easier, but I don't think it's inherently better. Uh, so I, I think that, I mean, my we've talked about, John, you and I have talked about this before, that really what comedy is, is it's noting that the world is out of joint. Right. It's, it's noticing uh, whatever your moral judgment of the thing is, this thing is not is clearly not the way that it's supposed to be. Correct. And um, so you can either draw from that the world is is broken and irredeemable and pointless, so we might as well laugh at the sorrow of it, uh, or you can laugh at the fact that we have the answer right in front of us and and we aren't we aren't looking to it. Right. Um, so so yeah, I, I mean I agree that there's. Um, uh, it would it, comedy wouldn't be funny if a guy came up and was like, "What's the deal with doctors saving people from diseases?" You know, like that's that's not you know. Well, actually, that would be funny. Yeah, right. Non-ironically, though. Right. Right. That, that I realized now. I, as soon as I said that, I was like, "That's actually a really great bit for a guy to go up and do an entire set, start making fun up. of making fun of the things that are working exactly the way that they're that that they're supposed to." Be. Right. Right. <laughs> What's the deal with people getting compensated fairly for their labor? You know, and uh, right. And so just. Um, yeah. You know, Bizarro Seinfeld or whatever, <laughs> whatever, whatever like, it is. Right. So like when Donald Trump said, you're going to win so much, you're going to get sick of it. I mean, that's, yeah. that's a hilarious <laughs> thing to say. Yeah. You're going to get yeah, yeah, sick yeah. of winning. Yeah. Right. So, so well, uh, anyway, but I think that it's so negativity is easier because it's an it's, it's easier to despair than to hope. Right. Uh, but that's kind of to me is part of the challenge is. It's you know it's like in, it's uh, like in the Princess Bride where they they start off uh, sword fighting left handed, uh, be, you know right. so you train so hard you want to be able to do it with both sides you know and uh, and so it's or, you know or fighting with one hand tied behind your back is is can I can I elicit the same reaction from people who are taking the easier path uh, can I can I can I win that. Not that you're in competition against other specific people, but can my approach right. triumph over their approach? Right. I think you can do it if you acknowledge that you're swimming upstream. 
like you yeah. will not take this hope from me right well i think yeah i think both of you have your finger on the pulse of what the ideal christian comedy set would be you're you're exposing what's wrong with the world which you know because right. you're christian people who do not have the light can't shine a light on what's wrong right. with the world and so you're now in a position where you can call out essentially calling out sin which is why i think dad would say there's really not a huge gap between being a preacher pastor and being a stand-up yeah. comic because you're noticing things that are going on um it's a social um career i mean it's a career where you're mm. making a lot of your observations pertaining to people and so yeah. um so yeah there's a lot of overlap but the the point i was making was basically what the bible says when it says that you smell like death to those who are perishing it's right. going to come across as negative to those who have no use for your right. hope so it will be really really encouraging to a fellow christian again ideally mm -hmm. But it's also, I think somebody like Luke will often feel like he must be doing something wrong if there's somebody who's still mad. And it's like, well, no, you're going to probably right. have to consider the source then because you may right. be actually knocking it out of the park and doing exactly what you set out to do, but it's still you're still going to get those hate emails or you're still going to get sure, people yeah. challenging you and saying that you're being negative when really you're just stepping right. on their you know, fleshy sin nature, and they don't like that right. very much. Well, so let me, I know you said we maybe kind of work, workshop through some things, but let me give you an example of, of a bit that I've, I've kind of been mulling around. So I won't try and do it in the, in the, the funny way. One of the things I, I haven't, so I haven't tried this yet. You know, I want to really feel like I've got my set underneath me before I give it a shot. Part of the wow. challenge I'm finding is getting into the bit, uh, rather, yeah. you know, like I feel like once I'm in, I'll be all right, but it's getting in. That's the challenge. But yep. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is is you know here this one of, I love lots of things about being a Christian, and a big thing about being a Christian is you believe that uh, the righteousness that you need to have to be worthy of eternal life Jesus has won for you and given to you, so you don't have to produce it yourself, uh, which means that I don't have to say I adopted a dog, and uh, what I mean by that is when people are trying to produce that righteousness themselves, they're looking for some way to convince themselves and the world that they've done it. Mm -hmm. But our generation is so lazy that they don't actually wanna do anything. So they just rename the stuff they've already done to make it sound holier, mm -hmm. right? So they go, mm -hmm. so they go, yeah, I, I, we adopted a dog. And you're like, you, you had a dog legally declared your child an heir. <laughs> like you went into a courtroom and the judge banged the gavel and you're like, no. And they go, no, 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 no. And you go, oh. Did you walk into a building with four walls and a roof and give someone money in exchange for a dog? That's called buying a dog, <laughs> you know. And so that that you know, so that type of thing right. where you're picking apart if for people. That and dog they go, was actually a human. It would be slavery. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, like you feed your children Alpo. That's you know that's bad. Uh, and or yeah. one of the other things is um, people yeah. talking about self care. Like, oh, I really, you know, I really had to do a, I, I went on this self-care retreat. It was really important. And at first you're like, oh, so caring for people is good and yourself as a person. So wait a minute, self-care retreat. You went on vacation. Did, did you just go on, did you just call vacation? You know, so it's, so you kind of pick that apart for people. And and if you, I think if you kind of frame it the right way and you have enough humor where they go, oh, I am doing that. These actually are the things that I do because I'm trying to make myself a better person than, than I actually am. And right. and if when you couch it in terms of you don't actually have to do this, it's you know, this is an exhausting way, uh, an exhausting way to live. So that's right. the kind of thing I'm kind of trying to work. You my get way credit through. for your intentions in society right. now. If you intend something good, then that's all that you have to do. Right. Right. But yeah. the the inescapable it's a solid premise. truth. The, the, I like the premise a lot. The inescapable truth is that that is going to come across as you ranting against women who take care of themselves. Like that's <laughs> that's right. what that's going to be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is which is fine too. Yeah. <laughs> right. uh, because. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, like people, uh, you know, people who won't take care of their parents in nursing homes, but definitely do a lot of self-care retreats. Yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, right. I don't think you probably have as strong of a sense of care right. as. So, um, so right. And, but see, 
See, but that's the way comedy, negative. The way comedy works <laughs> is knowing, yeah, it's, well, it's a negative, but knowing all of those things, you can incorporate that into, incorporate that into the set. And this is what's so yeah. fun for me. And I think this is what Luke enjoys too, is the, you go out and you try a bit and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't work. And then you go, okay, it's, it still seems like this should work. So, yeah. so what, what do I do now to What's get into it? Wrong, right, yeah. But, you know, even as you were describing it and Mandy pops up and says, well, that's going to, you're just going to come off as sounding like you, like you are opposed to women taking care of themselves. That's actually a punchline. And, and yeah. it could, it, it could come out of nowhere, you know, after you get right. done with the rant. So it's like, so what am I really saying here? Obviously I hate women. You know, right. and, and that'll get a right. laugh because right. everyone will know, they'll know that that's true, that that's going to be right. the perception, but that's not what you were talking about. And so, right. yeah, I think it's, I think yeah. it's solid. Right. Um, but to, to get back to the point that uh, both you and, and Amanda and Luke, everybody made, is that, you know, the difference between stand-up comedy and preaching is, I mean, it's just, it's razor thin. Um, because I have um, professed for many, many years that everybody preaches. Everybody's preaching right. a sermon. It's just a matter of where and who your congregation is. And there are a lot of people who think because they haven't formally declared themselves, you know, to be preachers, well, so I'm, I'm not religious. I'm not. It's like, yes, you are. Everybody's religious and everybody preaches a sermon. And mm -hmm. if you just if you just accept that and you go up on stage and with the attitude, it's like, oh well, yeah, I'm going to deliver a sermon. Everybody in this club has delivered a sermon. Um, right. It's for me, it made it, it made it easier, and it was sort of empowering to realize, right. oh, the only difference between what I'm doing and what he's doing is I'm actually saying true things, right. and he's just trying <laughs> right. to cobble together rhetoric to get a reaction from the audience. Right. And that was right. why I had recommended to Luke that he. Just think of it differently, conceptualize what right. his goal was a little bit differently. Um, not because I think that we shouldn't be hopeful and positive, right. but because I know how audiences talk and how critics specifically talk. And I right. wanted I wanted him to have a goal in mind that would be able to stay, you know, in front of him even right. when there's like even when he gets a reaction that he wasn't expecting. And so, um, sure. so thinking of it in terms of truth telling rather than um, trying to classify whether that truth is, you know, positive or negative, I, right. I thought would help, help stay on track a little bit better, yeah. you know, even though, yeah. so even though Christians might be like, wow, that was, I needed that. That was a gift from God. That was like the most right. uplifting and encouraging hour that I've spent, you know, in years. Um, somebody mm. else who watched the exact same set might be like, man, I just don't like that guy. He's, he's just, you know, why is he so, <laughs> why is right. he so critical of yeah. everything? And audience matters. Like if you're doing this in, at an open mic at a club, yeah, you might get a completely different reaction than right. if you were to do a church show. Right. And so you can't always, yeah, absolutely which, uh, will. Yeah. yeah. And that, well, and that's the thing. And I, John, I know you and I have talked about this before. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to do church shows. I don't have any intention of doing church shows anyways, because I'm busy on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Neither uh, did I. Go but, ahead. Um, <laughs> but for me, the thing is, I don't, I want an audience that I have to win over. I don't right. want one that is like, I, I've told a couple people at church that I'm planning on doing this, but I have no intention of actually telling them when I'm doing it. Cause I don't want anyone I don't want anyone coming and laughing because they love me I don't and want, want to kind of give a. I don't want any to. support or love in no. the room. Yeah, I, no, I want. I want to be able to walk and. Yeah, I like. I mean, there are obviously. I was looking no, around I clubs that. in St. Louis, you know, and there is. There's one club. There are a number of comedy clubs, and there is one that was advertising itself as open has an open mic night for comedy, but it's open mic for comedy, and poetry and I was like I'm not going to that place <laughs> because uh, that's not an audience that wants to laugh I want I do want you do want people that are there because they want to find something funny and are and are you presume thus going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you're you're not being a hundred percent serious with everything that you're saying well what uh, you're gonna find at open mic is audiences of other comics primarily sure It'll yeah be It'll be a room full of other people who are doing sets. And depending on where you are in the lineup, the audience will get smaller as the night goes yeah. <laughs> because they'll go up and they'll do their set and then they'll leave. And right, so yeah. that's yep. 
normally what will happen in an op- at the average open mic. I think no. I think it's important to, to a lot of people when they want to do comedy, they go up and pre- pretend to be what they think a comedian is. And right. Carl didn't have the benefit of hearing your hemorrhoid story, but that story in itself, <laughs> word for word, is stage ready. That that is, a, yeah, it is. It's a bit in itself, and I would, yeah. it would work. It would work because it, it made yeah. us laugh, um, and it was your natural yeah. reaction. It was a true story, um, and yeah, it's, it'd be a shame if you true. didn't tell it. <laughs> so yeah. that's not even the worst proctologist story that I have. Perfect. No. <laughs> there perfect. you go. He's no. the, he doesn't so. just have a bit; he has an entire set. He's got ready. a whole yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, a whole monologue yeah. for it. So what well, I think yeah. you're gonna do? Your instincts. Your instincts are are good there are people that that god just mm-hmm. gives he gives in comedy instincts to these people and it's not mm-hmm. a thing that you can teach other people how to do it's okay. just a thing that you can well, do but that's not totally true either like it you, is totally you, true you also why do you keep contradicting me on my podcast well, mainly <laughs> because i'm the one who's responsible for marketing it and we've got a book to sell and you can't be like you can't teach people how to do comedy i wrote a book about it but i don't said buy you it. can't teach the instincts oh, i didn't okay. say you couldn't teach comedy no. but, but the instincts yeah. the instincts are things that okay. you that you either have or you don't well, have. Well, I'm actually agreeing with you in that regard because what I was going to say was I think what you're going to do tonight is um, similar to what you're basically going to tell Hans what he's already doing. And then when you s- describe it for him, he'll go, oh, yeah, I do that. But, like, he wasn't really right. conscious of doing it. I'm going to I'm gonna tell Hans what he's already doing, and then I'm going to take credit for making him a great Because it will make it easier to repeat nothing. it, like to duplicate it on purpose more often. It, but right. it's basically, I compare it all the time to when I watch these videos on YouTube where they are trying to teach people who speak English as a second language how to have an American accent. And I watch these mm. videos all the time because they're super interesting. And they talk about like, mouth placement and where you hold your tongue and like glottal stop and stuff like she that. watches those videos because she doesn't care about pristine haircuts right pristine yeah. haircuts and um what a, yeah so anyway i i watch I these up. even though i have a pretty good american accent i think right. and because do. like when a person <laughs> when a linguist says like oh americans form this letter this way i'm like no way, but we do, mm-hmm. and it's like eye-opening, and then it, it just makes right. the whole thing make more sense. So we form the we form the letter the way that it's supposed to sound. Right, right. I, I don't like British. when people people like everyone has an accent. You're like right, but not all accents are equal. Like if you have an accent right. where you don't say the letter, you're just right. wrong. That's not a that's not an <laughs> right. accent. Right, right. That's so and, and actually there, the Midwestern accent. Midwestern accent is what everybody goes for. Like you go down right. in the South and everything and the people on the news and whatever, they train them to, don't, you're going to contradict me no, again no, and I'm we're agreeing. just going to move on. I was actually just about to say that I heard somebody who's British try to do a Southern accent the other day and it literally mm, made me cringe. It was, it was like an actual was famous person. Yeah. I can't remember who it was, but yeah, it was really yeah. bad. But anyway, okay, so how do you I, write I jokes? To, go ahead. How do you write jokes? How do I write jokes? Oh, well, I was going to ask Hans. It seems to me like you and I had a conversation quite a while ago, and you said something to the effect of, I don't do comedy, or I don't do humor when I'm preaching, because... Yeah. Is that right? Am I remembering that? Yeah, correctly? no, I'm very, yeah. It's, I've, I've had a few people who were familiar with Lutheran satire who were maybe coming through the area where I've lived and stopped in at my church and were really disappointed. Right. Because I... I'm I'm a normal person uh, on Sunday morning, and right. um, you know I'll occasionally you know if I feel like there's a really good kind of one-liner that's to the point, uh, you know I'll uh, I'll make I'll throw it in there. Um, but so for do the you most actually part, avoid humor? Like if you if you have something and you and you write it down, because I I know you, you and I have had conversations yeah. enough, and we know each other. It's like you're a funny person, and so do you actually edit? The funny stuff. How do you turn it off? Well, I well, all right. So one of the things is, and and an area in which I I I think that preaching and comedy are obviously very very different is it's my goal as a pastor to get out of my own way, to get out of the way, to give people Christ. Uh, So for so I don't have 
a particular voice uh, when, when I'm preaching. I mean, I, I mean, my voice sounds the way that it does, but I don't, you know how, how um, like you could, you know, you could have someone come on and without actually saying words, do impressions of comics and you could guess who the comic is. You right. know, where you go, you know, like, all right, that's Bill Burr, you know, and you know, you're like, that's Seinfeld and, you know, um, and you can't, that's not the way, you know, the way that my preaching is at all. There's not necessarily a rhythm to it. And it kind of depends on what I'm saying for the week. And I have sermons that I'll write where I don't use a manuscript really at all. And I just talk for, you know, 15, 20 minutes, pretty untethered from anything. And then right. there are times I where just whatever idea kind of pops into my head for what I want to say is much more, it's much more kind of prosaic and written. Um, whereas with, whereas with standup, I, you know, I think there's, and this has been in a lot of ways, the thing that's probably actually prevented me from trying it for a long time is I've always kind of felt like I got stuff I could turn into something, you know, I've got a, a million just sort of dumb observations that I've made throughout the years. Um, but I don't, but I don't know what my voice is, you know, and you can, you know, I've seen this in comics that I've followed for a number of years, you know, where they, you know, they'll be 15 years into their career and then they just lock in on the, you know, this is the way I present stuff. And, and as I've kind of been trying to run through bits and stuff, kind of preparing for eventually doing this, I can tell that sometimes I'm just kind of doing an impression of someone. If I really sit down and listen to myself doing it, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, you know, channeling yeah. Norm Macdonald or, you know, other guys right. that I've, I've listened to, you know, quite a bit. And, right. and on the one hand, try not to do that. But on the other hand, it's also like, well, I, you know, I'd probably have to do this, you know, uh, t 5,000 times before that actually becomes authentic. So that to me is, is a big difference where you are, your personality is so much more a part of uh, the material in standup than it is in, in preaching. I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of guys who have preached, pro who have preached preaching, a pre I'm going to slow down. Who, who approach preaching. Who approach preaching in a different way. Uh, but that, you know, for me, that's, and coming from the Lutheran tr tradition, it's very much right. a um, get out of the way and, and put Christ front and center. So what if you accidentally say something that makes the congregation laugh on Sunday morning? What do you <laughs> that do? That happens every now and then. You apologize. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, no, I didn't well, mean to distract you with one of the that thing, excellent Honestly, though, like, no, 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 I don't apologize. <laughs> and if, if you have a good line, you go for it. But, but genuinely, though, one of the problems uh, is... You know, the it's it, you don't have. There's no comedy club you're going to go to that has an age spread like a like your average congregation does. You know, my the oldest people in my pews are in their late 90s, and the youngest people are babies, obviously. And you've got people all in between. So there are no like this is why I actually I when I was a younger preacher, I used to make a lot of um, pop culture references, movie references, and stuff like that in my right. sermons to help illustrate points. And I just don't do it anymore, uh, in large part because. I, there's not a single movie I can reference that everybody knows, right? You know, which, which is actually a, a weird way that our culture has changed. I think on account of everyone watching streaming stuff is that you know back in the day, you know TNT would show the same movie for 20 years, right. and so there was a huge, and it was one of the only things that you know one of the only channels people had. So there was just a huge group of people who, you know, there were 50 years worth of people who knew what Ferris Bueller's Day Off was. Right. you know, or Clash of the Titans or, you know, like whatever was just in the rotation. And that doesn't exist anymore. So I don't really do a whole lot of that anymore. And it's kind of that same way with jokes. I, I cracked off a, I, I just threw out a one-liner a little bit ago, a few months ago, and it died. And I called out my congregation for not for not laughing at it. <laughs> uh, and I said, uh, I made a comment about how, basically was talking about how, how Christ, uh, you, you cannot... Um, out sin the love of Christ, and there is there's no amount of there are no there's no amount of iniquities that's beyond what, what Christ is willing to forgive. And I said you, you can have a list of transgressions that's longer than a CVS receipt, and it just died. <laughs> and I thought, am I the only person in my congregation who's noticed that you buy a pack of gum and it just goes <laughs> and you're going, what on earth is this? Why aren't the environmentalists yelling at them? Why are you yelling at me about having a gas stove? Go yell at the CVS people for giving you 47 pages of paper for, I had this, for, for buying a Tootsie Pop. I had the same thought. It wasn't at CVS, but it was at a, uh, 
was at a grocery store and they give me that thing and it's like yeah this is this is the problem um yeah all right so uh a couple of things um, How do you write yeah. jokes? It, no, we are, no, let, let him address. We're 35 he, minutes he into this. I still about, don't know how to write a joke. How do you write jokes? Find, writing jokes is easy. He talked about wanting to um, find his voice, which is a great yeah, question that every single mm-hmm. comic has always asked. That's true. Right. You're talking about finding your voice. And here's yeah. the, the best piece of advice that I ever got was from Tom McTeague, who most people don't even know that he's a stand-up because he was on Baywatch. Um <laughs> And he told me that the hardest part about doing stand-up is stripping away all of the things that we ladle over ourselves. That was his term. We ladle this over ourselves that we think stand-ups are supposed to do. We think that this is what is necessary in order to do stand-up. And you strip all of that away and you just go up on stage and you be who you are. You just, your cadence, Mm -hmm. your voice, your mannerisms, your point of view. Um, He goes, that's when you do your best comedy. And I I understood what he was saying when he was saying it, but I didn't fully, you know, uh, live it until I had done stand-up for a little while, until I'd, yeah. I'd been up on stage and I'd agonized over jokes and I'd, um, you know, wondered about the, the timing and how, which hand am I gonna hold the microphone in and what am I supposed to wear? And, and all of those things, work themselves out and you are correct that when you say that you've skipped a few semesters um right by being a preacher because it absolutely makes a difference the first time i ever did stand up in a comedy club uh the the guy who was owner of the club and the guy who was running the open mic who were two veteran comedians came up afterwards and both of them at different times and said, that was your first time you've ever done stand-up? And I said, yeah, first time ever. I didn't tell them that that was not the first time I'd ever held a microphone and said things right. to a room full of people. But yeah. they could tell that, yeah, that, that I was just I was just a little more advanced than most of the sure. people that they've seen the first time they've ever done open mic. And that'll be what happens with you too. I mean, there'll be some, yeah. there'll be some, things that you have to learn about how to speak when you mm. when you do stand up but you're still it's still your words it's still your thoughts right. and and who you are you just have to arrange it uh differently in right. order to get in order to get to the premise in order to get to what's funny and mm. the premise that you were discussing earlier is funny it just needs to be you just need to cut out the fat. You trim the fat, and you get to what's funny. And that, by the way, is a hilarious way to. Right, so I'll just. I said I was originally going to tell this story, but we should probably just tell it for for the ten people that listen to this, so that they have the right. whole thing. I was ten. describing how uh, how I, uh, I I've been having problem. I've been having problems with uh, with hemorrhoids because uh, I'm old now. And I so I go into the pro- so I go to the proctologist. They take care of one, and then I go back, and I think I'm done. And the and the guy go the proc, the doctor goes in with his magical gun, and he goes, still more in here than I would like, and uh, and I just thought it was a very weird way to describe that, as though he was the interior designer uh, of my hind parts. <laughs> so uh, as 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 though he's going. This doesn't work for me. This is not uh, work for me. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need to bring in Klaus. He's going to have to redo the whole thing. Right. Uh, and so, yeah. So you saying we need to trim the fat with that. I was like, I don't, that doesn't sound pleasant. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's I, always. I need to lose some weight, but I, I don't, that's not the way that I want to do it. <laughs> that's, that's what they refer to it as. They always talk about yes. trimming the fat out of your, and, and yeah. the reason, the reason that we tend to over talk we preacher types is because we are afraid that the audience is not going to follow us. We're afraid that if right. we don't give a whole lot of details and if we don't cover all the points, then they're going to go, what's he talking about? And so right. the toughest transition for preacher types to make when they go into standup is, um, is condensing things and realizing yeah. that it's perfectly okay to skip some steps. In fact, you yeah. have to. That's how you create a gap between the setup and the punchline is you you ignore all the stuff in the middle and then right. and then you reveal it. And so 
Um, that. yeah, and that's an area in which I think preaching is, is obviously quite a bit different because with preaching, right. you have to factor in that people are going to stop paying attention and you have to rhetorically right. give them a way to come back into it to figure out what you're saying. I've heard sermons where if you, if right. you were kind of distracted for the first two minutes, it's like missing the first three minutes of a Seinfeld episode, which sets up all the references for everything that happens in the rest. And then you're going like, I know this is so something going on here, but I don't get what any of it <laughs> right. is. Right. So yeah, so that's been, uh, as I've kind of been trying to write stuff down, that's been one of the things I've been tr trying to be mindful of is it's kind of the, I feel like it's the reverse in comedy where they're locked in, but the the more that you spin your wheels on something, the more that they kind of check out right. from it. Right, the more details you give them, the more they check out. And and right. the the thing that you have to do is you have to assume that the audience is as smart as you are. And mm -hmm. that's, and I'm saying that as somebody who still struggles with that. I still mm -hmm. tend to over talk and I over explain. And there's a lot of jokes that I have that are premises and they start out and they're really solid premises, but it takes me longer than it should to get them right. into material form because I keep over talking them. It's like, just, mm -hmm. just say the thing, John, they'll catch, they'll, they are with you. Um, and if it doesn't work, then I've probably not given them quite enough. But usually right. the problem is too much. I'm usually I'm usually saying too many things and that's the problem rather than not saying enough things. Is it because you don't say you say too many things and you you need to stop mm -hmm. saying so many things? Like I just did. <laughs> right. I know what I just did in the last minute is my problem in stand-up. But Luke's not allowed to listen. He has to forget everything that he's heard the last five minutes because he is the one bizarre person who wants to do stand-up. He wants to have a microphone. And then when he gets one in front of him, he says like, Four words, and then he wants to like back away. <laughs> back away. Leave yeah. it at that. And the less people laugh, I will trim the fat and the bones and the connective <laughs> tissue. <laughs> I will trim it all. He yep. puts he puts his whole act through the wood chipper. Yep. They are not. They're not the preacher types on his side of the family. They don't really sit around mm. and do what we're doing now. You know, they don't just tell stories and shoot the breeze, and it's all very very clipped and edited. And if you don't have something very, very quick to say, then, you know, don't bother jumping in at all. So it's very weird. So who do you dialogue with in when you're like when, no, uh, Hans, when you go out for oh. coffee, when you, uh, when you're hanging out, do you have, do you have funny people that you interact with? My kids are really funny. Um, and in particular, so I have a son named Gus, uh, who's my second oldest and Gus has a very dry sense of humor. It's so dry that I sometimes have to, uh, intercede between Gus and his mother because she's <laughs> entirely convinced that he's serious about things. And I have to go, no, no, no. He's just that committed to the bit. <laughs> he's not, he's just not going to crack. And that, and what's funny to him is is the tension of you thinking that he's serious. So she does. So I know that's the way that I am as well, you know. So, but I was, I was talking through a bit with him that, um, so the, the premise is, and this is a true story. So I grew up in Utah in the mid, mid eighties. And uh, so it was a kind of a weird time to grow up because the, you know, the civil rights movement had happened, but people hadn't quite, quite figured out how to teach it yet. So it was kind of like in schools, they, they go, oh, just do the thing we do with like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and just tell them things that didn't happen. And, you know, so like the cherry tree thing. And so I, this is entirely true. I was in first grade and my, my teacher told us, she said, when Martin Luther King Jr. was a boy, he fell down a flight of stairs and didn't cry. You know, and we were all like, lady, that's a weird way to tell us a kid named Martin died. And she's like, no, 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 no. He, he, he just didn't get hurt. And it was, again, in Utah in 1986 or 87. So we didn't know a single black person. So for like two days, I just thought this meant that black people don't get hurt when they fall down. So... So, that they can just uh, tumble down flights right. of stairs. Which, and the, I mean, there's so many things about this story that are funny to me. Uh, but big, big thing is, 
it's not a moral accomplishment <laughs> to not cry if you fall down a flight of stairs. Right. And you know it's not. You know it doesn't make a good person better because it doesn't make a bad person good. Right. Good. No, right. you know, you could like if so if you're talking to someone and they're like, Do you remember how Hitler killed six million Jews and like five million Polish people? And you're like, <laughs> well, Yeah, you know. but do you remember that time you fell down a flight of stairs and didn't get hurt? You hurt and you're like, All right. Well, that takes care of the Jewish part, but not you know. uh, so that, that it obviously doesn't like mean anything and it didn't happen. But but then just for a couple of days, you know, so I didn't I didn't know a single black kid. I had we had no frame of reference for how to process this information. So for a couple of days, I just thought it meant black people are invincible that way. Right. So I was I was telling this to my son Gus, and then he starts riffing on this. He's uh, he's fourteen, so he's uh, you know he's a young kid, but really really sharp this way. And he says, uh, and and he said it would be hilarious if every race had their own like invul invulnerability thing right? <laughs> right. <laughs> everyone just knows you know like oh, black people don't get hurt when they fall down the stairs you know and oriental and, people don't burn in fire okay. right 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 yeah you know so then i was i was like oh that's a great idea and so i'm picking that apart and i was kind of working on this idea of like you know the way the u.s government would create super soldiers was not making the captain Mer captain america serum they would just try and set uh, you know, a, uh, a Filipino up with a Jamaican and they're like, I think that should cover like everybody, you know, and their, off their offspring will just be invulnerable, you know. So, um, but yeah, that's a legitimate story. She told my class that he fell down a flight of stairs and didn't cry. And he didn't cry. <laughs> and he didn't even cry. And, uh, and all of you go like, okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to process that information, lady. Sure that is. what that uh, means. And then yeah. and that's, the civil rights that's movement. That's why he has And then his Rosa own Parks sat at the back right. of a bus, and the rest is history. Right, yeah. That was, uh, Brian Regan's got a bit about that, about one thing led to another. You heard that bit? <laughs> like, no. Where people say, well, one, one thing led to another, and then, and right. but they leave out all of this stuff. And yeah. he goes, right. you know. Uh, it's lazy writing. Uh, yeah, it's lazy writing. One thing led to another, and then the. Uh, right. Anyway, One, yeah, a little boy fell down a flight of stairs. One thing led to another, and now nobody trusts the FBI. Right, yeah. that uh, it's so, right, similar yeah. to that. And now you have yeah. the whole yeah. story. Hitler failed out of art yeah. school, and then one thing mm -hmm. led to another. Yeah. And right. Poland, <laughs> Germany invaded Poland. <laughs> Tumbled off a balcony. Yeah. Right. Um, Some Austrian kid fell down a flight of stairs and cried like a little baby, and then uh, <laughs> the rest was well. The rest was History Channel. Uh, Tim Hawkins called me the other day and we were talking about a whole bunch of stuff. But one of the things that we discussed, as we always do, is the writing and producing of comedy. And we, uh, he, he was talking about how, you know, I'm, I'm writing material now and, and it's going good. And, and I said, well, you know, the, the process of creating comedy is much easier when you are doing it uh, with another person or mm -hmm. several other people. I mean, and right. I, I hear this from, from people like after shows come and walk up to me and they'll say, Oh, it was, it was really good. Uh, really liked it. I, I can't do stand up. I couldn't imagine doing stand up. I'm really funny when I talk to my friends, but that's mm -hmm. a different thing than going up on stage. And Hawkins and I observe that it's really not. It's, it's, mm -hmm. if you can be funny, with other people well that's when you that's how you create comedy and then you take right. those moments and you just translate them up onto the stage yeah. and so if you are regularly um in a in a group of people doesn't have to be a whole just a few people if you regularly are associating with people like your son that you can just mm -hmm. riff stuff with then right. you will discover that material just grows volumetrically because yeah. now you're you're talking about all sorts of stuff that you would never think of on your own, and you're just and you you banter back and forth, and and suddenly you've got a whole bit that that was just part of a conversation, mm -hmm. and and then that goes up on stage. So um, <clears throat> that's one of the things about uh, Nate Bergetzi that I think is you you listen to his to Nate stand up. And it's the, the way he talks, his, his material is just conversations and situations taken yeah. from his real life. That's all it is. And he's yeah. funny the way he talks about it, 
but he's really just reporting. He's just reporting yeah. events that have happened in his life with other people. Right, which probably is the biggest difference between comedy and pastoring. Um, and comedy or any entertainment really is a conversation with the audience. And so you're trying to invite them right. into that situation, whatever it was, painting a picture in their mind so that they feel like they're joining you in this funny environment that you're creating for both of you or recreating if it's an environment that you already enjoyed with a friend of yours, you know, earlier. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, if, if, if the pastoring philosophy is, you know, I'm going to get out of the way and, and I want to point you to Jesus, um, then yeah, the, the comedian philosophy is here, let's go together, you and me, right. you know, and, and go to this, this funny place. Um, right. But but I would definitely say the, the communication aspect of it is, you know, no small part being able to translate an idea that's in your head into the head of another person is the right. bulk of it. And so, yeah, what are yeah, you communicating? And pick, picking <laughs> things apart for people to see yeah. what doesn't quite work and, and what is out of joint. And um, right. and one of the things that I think would be will be interesting to me about trying this out is is part of it is just I like I like fine tuning anything. Um, my, so we have two uh, two services a weekend, one Sunday morning and then one Monday evening. And my son, my sermon on Monday evening will tend to be a bit different just because I've gone through and I realized that thing doesn't quite work there. Like this this past week, uh, I made a I made a comment in the sermon that just kind of a, I hadn't written it down, but it, it it just sort of occurred to me. I was talking about this phenomenon of how people can look at the world and see that that every that it's filled with anger. And, dis and fear and despair. But strangely, they always think the solution to that problem is more anger and more fear and, and more despair. Right. And I, so on Sunday, I made the comment, uh, I, I said it was, uh, this is like, um, if you watch boxing, if you watch the, the fight with, between Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson, where Douglas knocked him out, you know, it was one of the biggest upsets of all time. And one of the reasons Mike Tyson got knocked out was because he spent about seven seconds looking for his mouth guard on the mat. You know, and you're looking at him and you're going, your problem is on the mat. You need, you, you're not going to solve your problem by spending more time on the mat. Right. And then I and I kind of realized afterwards I thought that actually would be a better way to kind of frame the sermon. So I ended up talking about when I preached on Monday, I ended up taking that and putting that first and then kind of coming back to it a couple of times. So right. um so I like right. just kind of just for the the exercise in figuring out like how do you trim the fat? How do you make this idea work? How do you how how much funnier is it if you come into it this way than rather coming into it from from that way? That's, so it's just kind of out of my own curiosity. That's what it sounds like to have the bug, my friend. Um, it sounds like you have to go yeah. sooner rather than later to mm -hmm. an actual open mic so that you'll have some raw material to work with. Because like the next step yeah. from here is the part where you go, well, why didn't that work? Or why did yeah. this right. work? You have to record it, by the way. Yep. Because mm. yeah. it will get all we jumbled up. We want to hear it. You right, yeah. Good call. Yep. I do. Yeah, I, I, here's a here's a question: What percentage of people at any given mic night are just psychotic people who, who aren't, who aren't are going to be? I mean, obviously, anyone who's doing it's a little insane. But like, I've been to open mic nights where yeah. the guys up on stage and everyone was like, "Should we call the police? Like, this is not." This usually, is not good. It's, usually it's not that extreme. But yeah, in, in your <clears throat> in your travels. In uh, in the comedy world, you will encounter many characters at open mic, and maybe one percent of them, two percent of them, will actually go and and move on from open right. open mics. But open mic is just it's just a cesspool, and yeah. and it is it's kind of like karaoke. Oh. Right, like you know, if you go to a karaoke bar and there's like the people, mm -hmm. there, you know, there's a certain percentage of people who, and it's a good percentage, but they're just having fun. Right, and then you get mentally unwell people. Right. Uh, I I was once at a karaoke bar, and you, you know, you see the song come up, and they go, "Please welcome to the stage so and so." And I saw the song was behind blue eyes. I was like, "This is not gonna." Go <laughs> <off."> <laughs> 
and it went exactly as as you thought as it you was. predicted it right. was an absolute room killer and everyone is just like what did, are you like going through a divorce man what is you know you get the people who want to be discovered there you know it's a small percentage right. but you know yeah just a, a, an interesting mixed yeah. bag yeah it's it's similar um but you'll have most of the people at open mic are not any good they're not any good and they're never going to be any good because they mm -hmm. won't put any of the effort that you just described into it they won't they won't record their set they won't listen to it they won't analyze right. it and right. change it for the next time they'll they will um it's like a school talent show but with more f words that's right. that's really what it is You're, you've got the people who are up on stage are the ones who really like the idea of being up on stage and there may be right. you know a couple of people who in your school who genuinely do have this amazing ability to do something play mm -hmm. an instrument or sing yeah. but but then there's also going to be a fair number who are awkward and you know come from families yeah. that don't love them enough to tell them so and so then yeah, you right. know you get all sorts of characters colorful you know well, the ma yeah. the majority of them will be that, and the yeah. the danger, and I don't feel like like you will, you are in danger of this. But the the danger of open mic is that you start developing your set to get laughs at open mic, right? Yeah, and sure, I've yeah. seen that happen many many times, where it's like, I don't man, this is killing at open mic, and it's like, yeah, you do not want to write material that gets consistent mm. laughs at open mic because you can't go anywhere with it right open mic is absolute it's just a challenge to see who can be more vulgar and obscene and outrageous than the guy in front of them and that's right. that's what it becomes we should and have so hans you, watch uh, our skews open mic with brian's <laughs> brian April's or, to get him prepared for for what to expect because we had our our good buddy brian on starving comics was yeah. um he ran an open mic for many years and his he's constantly telling horror stories about yeah. you know the types of people who showed up and how they always were at, they were vying for more time they would try to bring crazy mm -hmm. props with them like he it's basically he was a glorified babysitter or a glorified yeah. chaperone out of school pageant and so we were like, you know what, Brian, we want to bring back the old days and we'll have, we'll host an open mic on Starving Comics. So all of us, all of us did some time at his open mic and it was so glorious. What, what you know, you know what I love, by the way, about, so my kids are in, are in a Lutheran school now, which is, um, you know, strives towards righteousness. So uh, I, I don't really miss anything about public schools, but one thing I do miss about public schools was going to the public school talent show and learning which kids have terrible parents. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and just like having nine-year-old girls get up and dance to songs and you're just like, your parents need to be in jail soon. Uh, it's not, not good. Yeah. Uh, well, so. we, did a, we did an open mic for Brian and it was... It was one of the best episodes. We got people emailing me. That was the funniest episode. Yep. It, and was it was so fun. Just a train wreck. Because he genuinely does hate watching people, you know, flounder or suffer. And yeah. that, there's a lot of that on, on you know, yeah. open mic night. And so we and we brought we that did, back for him. We did yeah. bad yeah. comedy. Each of us got up and did it like a five minute set that was just horrific. Yep. Do everything and, exactly uh, wrong. So we're right. um, we're what we're out of time. Aren't we're we? Well, we're over our time, but that's all right. If there are closing comments, yeah. we can still take them, or I can just play the theme song. It's up to you. Do you have a plan for when you're going to do this uh, open mic? In, in the next couple of weeks. Um, so I, oh, okay. uh, I'm kind of waiting for my kids to finish school, so our schedule is not quite so busy. I want to maybe go to. Uh, there's some clubs that have them on Tuesday, some on Wednesday. I want to go to a couple of open mic nights just to watch, just to kind of get a Great sense idea. for the lay of the land. Great idea. And, yeah. um, uh, and then just, yeah, this just then just kind of go from there and uh, give it a shot and uh, and see how it goes and uh, and see if I've uh, ruined my life. So that's, well, you will just be beginning your life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this will be this will be. Uh, you you should definitely record. You always record. Yeah your your stuff it's hard to listen to but you should do it and then we should we want you to come back and we can have an update and uh all right that sounds and, good and kind of 
you know, tell us what your thoughts are. The first right. time you do it, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm really curious to see what your first time is like, because I'll bet it's going to be a lot better than you think it's going to be. I'll bet it will well, be. Well, yeah. In comparison, been... you know, here, here's the thing. You do not know how good you are until you are until you objectively gauge your set right by other people sure, and yeah. uh and i i didn't know and i'd been doing comedy for <clears throat> i don't know 10 or 12 years and and i didn't know that i was any good until i went to a conference for other comedians and they had an open mic and it was the longest it was the most awful. <laughs> so they yeah. had all these Christian comedians get up and uh, and one after the other. And I'm sitting in the back of the room. I was like last. I was like 46 out of 50 or something like that. Oh, and I'm in the back of the room and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And it's just it's so bad. Um, some of these some of these people, it, some people honestly think all I have to do is stand up on stage and say things into a microphone and the audience will laugh. I mean, that's really yeah. what they think. And so it's just, it's bad. The audience is getting, I mean, they're Christians, so they're not throwing anything or cussing, but you can tell right. they're getting worn out. And I was in the back of the room going, this is going to be, this is going to be awful. This is going to be awful. Yeah. And so they introduced me and I went up on stage and 30 seconds in, they were like, they yeah. were going crazy. I only did three minutes, but I had, uh, that was when the, that was when uh, the, manager of the improv came up to she was at that thing mm. she came up afterwards she goes i want to be your manager and uh and and what was shocking to me and my point is that you don't know you don't right. know your level until until you have something to compare it to and well, then you one have of the things, to be honest about it so uh, uh one of the things i i wanted to kind of get your advice on is because i've been just for the last couple of weeks when I have a few moments here, they're just kind of trying to put together a collection of, you know, these various bits I've kind of had, you know, throughout the years and observations and stuff. And one of the things I've kind of noticed with a lot of comedians is they have material that works really well now because they have an audience that knows them. And so they're coming in with a, you know, with a pre-existing understanding of who the comic is, how they view things. And so you can do material that kind of works a bit better once people know you. But what I'm so what I'm kind of trying to figure out is if you're just starting from square one and no one has any clue who you are and you don't have any following and there's it's nothing where do you, what kind of where do you go to start to just sort of say this is how do you let someone know within 30 seconds this is kind of who you can expect me to be and this is the journey I'm going to take you on for the next you know 5 minutes or so right well, that's that's the challenge. Um, that's and, not the and, answer that I want. I wanted you to no, have. But that, yeah. I wanted you to go. You do this joke. Just knowing. Well, to do the bit about that, whatever. Just knowing to ask that is right. Is huge. That's yeah. exactly the right question. Yeah. And um, Jimmy Brogan was leading a workshop at a conference that we went to a few years ago, and it was great because he said all right uh no, jimmy's a really he's a catholic guy he's a super nice guy and he's like all right so what we're going to do uh is i don't i don't necessarily want you to <clears throat> to try bits i just want you to get up and i want you to do the first 30 seconds of when you're on stage so after you get introduced i want you to come up and do the first 30 seconds and that's it and it's like it was so good because mm. he had <clears throat> What he did was he exposed um, the very thing that you're thinking about right. in a lot of comics. A lot of them were veteran comics. <clears throat> and when they realized that, oh my gosh, I'm on stage for two minutes before I ever get to anything, you know, relevant. They're just, they right. just hadn't thought about that for those first 30 seconds. And so he forced them to think about, to think about it because that, those, that first minute on stage is when you introduce yourself to the audience. You tell them mm -hmm. what you're about in that first 60 seconds. And, you know, open mic, open mic is a slightly different animal because you're, you're workshopping different bits and you're, and, but, but it's still, yeah. if you're just starting out to know, to be thinking about, okay, how do I tell them in 60 seconds you know where I'm coming from, right? And 
Um, well, and once he sees your recording, he will be able to, I will you know, be we'll be able, able to, to make help. some suggestions about which okay. which one might be the strongest, which where we right. might be able to turn, you know, make a theme out of it. Like Luke right now is talking about what he wants his, you know, general message to be. And um, and so then it's like, well, if that's the case, you want to start with this story pretty close to the top, kind of like what you were talking about with your story about Mike Tyson, you know, depending right. on what you've got, like raw material that that's going to determine a you know a lot about what what would be the right. recommended first thing generally start with something personal um don't don't take an ab abstract weird take i'm gonna play this theme they song while you're talking right. too and we're gonna personal we're gonna stuff fade too. i would the, the the thing i would say for your first time out is just pick two or three bits you won't they'll, they'll only give you three minutes or five minutes i don't know but um but just pick what you think is the funniest. Just what you think is the funniest. And don't worry about whether they'll like it or anything else. Just go, okay. I think this is funny, so this is what I'm going to say. Right. And then you build from there. Thank okay. you for joining us, Hans. You can keep talking. My pleasure. I'm going to fade out, though. All right. Okay, so we'll keep talking. Okay. <laughs> See you. Bye. Good luck, Mike. Thanks for visiting The Comedian's House. If you want to spend more time with our family, you can follow John Branion on YouTube and Facebook. Also email nextdoor at johnbranion.com with your comments and questions. We'll see you next time.